Welcome to another episode of That One Movie Podcast, also known as Tomp, the weekly show where we discuss movies, games, and TV shows, in addition to kind of whatever, mainly we just shout nonsense into our microphones. I'm your host, Holden Sutter, joined by my co-host, Jimmy Youthy. Yeah, Holden, we're back. Not that we ever went anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, having some connection issues this week, so let's hope we... Uh, I don't know. Crossing my fingers, nothing happens. But if there's a weird edit or something, it's possible that we just got disconnected. We're talking over the phone right now because my internet is not working. So, yes, we'll see. Talking over the phone, archaic, Holden. Yeah. <clears throat> good thing. Good thing we don't have any connection issues with between our impeccable chemistry that we have on this podcast. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and we've got a great episode for you this week featuring our reviews of the unbearable weight of massive talent as well as the fifth episode of moon knight all right holden let's dive in that one movie podcast first jimmy we've got to do the toms The Toms, the Toms, the Toms, the Toms. Toms is a rapid-fire segment where we rate the news of the week in the world of entertainment on a scale of three famous Toms, Brokaw, Bombadil, and Bergeron. Brokaw's the highest, Bombadil's the lowest, and Bergeron is somewhere in between. Jimmy, let's get to it. What do we have this week, Holden? Okay, there's actually quite a bit this week. Um, so this week was CinemaCon, which I'm going to be honest, I don't think I knew existed before this year. <laughs> I don't I don't know what it is, but apparently it's this thing where a lot of these movie companies are making a lot of news come out. So, um, but anyway, first off, we'll get some release date things out of the way. What, no uh, trailers? Fa- trailers? Trailers? Hold oh, on. yeah. <laughs> That's right. I didn't have it in my notes, but come yeah, on. we d- we decided last minute to add uh, the Jurassic World or Jurassic World Dominion trailer. Uh, so yeah, Jimmy, why don't you, what did you think of this trailer? Okay. When you said Jurassic World Dominion, I heard Jurassic World The Minions, and that is a movie <laughs> I did not want to see. Um... <laughs> Both universal. Boy, <laughs> uh, this trailer made me w- nervous about this movie. It it seems very <laughs> dumb. Uh, they're literally like, uh, Chris Pratt, you made, uh, Jeff Goldblum goes, Chris Pratt, you made a promise to a dinosaur? I think it was a Jeff Goldblum's character. Yeah, it was anyway. Jeff Goldblum said that. <laughs> um, so, boy, in terms of animal stupid things with animals in movies we got fantastic beast the magical deer picks the president and now we have chris pratt making uh, promises to dinosaurs uh yeah <laughs> very i have to do the plot is progressing because he says i have to do this because i made a promise to a dinosaur so there we go yeah. um other Which, things uh, he, uh, like even it. at the beginning of the trailer when he first makes the deal like i was like okay this is really stupid and then they try to be self-aware about it but it doesn't make it any less stupid <laughs> no yeah it's just very stupid uh also good luck to anybody trying to remember the the character names of chris pratt and bryce dallas howard i i think chris pratt's character's name is owen is that yeah that's like the only character i remember from these movies like his name and i don't even know why i know it's owen Bryce Dallas Howard, no idea what her character name is. <laughs> uh, then you have the dumb clone girl, 
who says, yeah. oh, Blue had a baby. That's impossible. I'm like, what? We've already, you established in the first movie <laughs> that life finds a way and that anything is possible with this uh, process. So I don't think you should be that surprised. I understand that she wasn't around for that, but uh, come on. I don't uh, want to hear anything this dumb clone girl has to say. <laughs> No, no offense to the actress at all. I'm sure she's no, doing yeah. her best, but the, the character the, character is dumb. Um, and then I, I don't remember the exact line, but Laura Dern's character, um, which now I'm blanking on her character's name, um, Ellie Sadler. Ellie Sadler, yeah. Uh, Alan Grant and Ellie Sadler. Uh, she goes, "If we want to save our world, we have to do like we have to try our best now, or something like that." And I'm like, "Save your world?" They're like what maybe a hundred dinosaurs like how many dinosaurs are actually loose like save our world is the world literally in danger (laughs) well it it seems like in the last movie like the only dinosaurs that were released it was like this like small room full of dinosaurs it wasn't even that big it wasn't like this big you know it wasn't like they literally just let all the dinosaurs on jurassic world out it was just like the ones that they had saved which was a handful um, so maybe you know they established cloning in the last one. I don't remember what that, how that was even involved because I'm never watching that movie again. So I've tried to forget <laughs> everything about it. I just remember the clone girl does this something stupid at the end and releases all the dinosaurs, and she is responsible for anybody who dies in this. Uh, that guy who's like riding around on his bike or Segway or whatever scooter, whatever it was, in like that one town and gets eaten by a dinosaur. That is on her. Uh, I'm filing a lawsuit against her on behalf of everybody. Uh, So maybe there's like, so there's cloning. So maybe they're reproducing really quickly and they're multiplying really fast. So I'm guessing they're going to have to go back to Jurassic World to get a MacGuffin of some sort. Yeah, probably. Maybe there's like, oh, there's a chip in all their brains that'll just shut them off and something. Let's just go back to this island that was completely destroyed by a lava flow. Yep, something like that, <laughs> or I don't know. They they have to go some. They're clearly having to go places for MacGuffins, or they're just going to track down the dinosaurs. I don't think they're this trying movie's... to catch all the Pokemon. I mean, at least they're bringing the original cast with them some of the times, so maybe that'll be entertaining. Just for yeah, nostalgia. It, I mean, yeah, it looks like they're in it quite a bit. Um, so I mean, from the nostalgia angle, that'll be nice, but. Yeah, that's all that is, is nostalgia. I feel like it's going to be very shoehorned in. Um, This looks bad. And <laughs> interestingly, I mean, because Colin Trevorrow, I mean, was the original guy tasked to finish off Star Wars. And I do think his treatment of Episode Nine is, is much better than we got in The Rise of Skywalker, although heavily flawed in of itself. So... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It'd be let's see the J.J. Abrams Jurassic World Dominion. <laughs> <laughs> it would just be Jurassic World again. Somehow the T. Rexes have returned. It would wipe out like all of the meaning of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. So they'd be like, "Oh no, the island wasn't actually destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> we destroyed the wrong island." Yeah. <laughs> and Blue um, is uh, is actually a T. Rex. Yeah. I laughed out loud at the bit where Bryce Dallas Howard clotheslines the Velociraptor <laughs> during the car chase in the trailer. I was like, this is so dumb. <laughs> this movie 
if this movie is not terrible, I will be surprised. Um, yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. I'm I mean, putting I'm, it. Yeah. I'm putting it back on my most dreaded list because this looks bad. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I feel like this trailer made me more excited for it because it looks bad. Like I, before, <laughs> I was just like dreading it because I thought it was going to be like mediocre or whatever. But now I actually, I might have a good time making fun of it. Nice. Uh, I'm going to give this trailer a bombadil because it was. Yeah, I'll give it a dumb. bombadil too. Yeah. All right. See, aren't you glad we talked about it, Holden? We had plenty to say about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Um, but then on to uh, some release date stuff. So uh, Marvel switched around a couple of their release dates. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and the Marvels switched release dates. So Ant-Man is now coming out in February of next year, and the Marvels is coming out in July. So they just swapped? Yeah, I guess. I don't... I mean, I'm guessing it's like... Um, what they like what dc just did with like shazam and stuff i'm guessing just ant-man was farther along and marvel's needed more time or something so they're like all right just swap them just just swap them sure yeah i don't know i i'm not particularly excited about either of those movies so bergeron for me yeah i mean i'm marginally more excited for ant-man because it's gonna have kang or whatever so that'll be cool but yeah bergeron um what you are excited for, Jimmy, though, is the Hunger Games prequel, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Uh, it's got a release date of no- November 17th, 2023. So that's coming out next year. At the peak of Hunger Games uh, popularity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Could not have come out at a better time. Uh, funny story. I had a student this year read the Hunger Games books. Loved them. Uh, started reading Ballad of songbirds and snakes whatever that book is called and uh yeah i was like oh that's the prequel one i think they're making a movie out of it and she's like oh cool and she's reading it and then the next day like she's reading a different book i'm like oh did you finish it what did you think she's like no i just didn't like it at much very much like and she was (laughs) obsessed with the other one like it was all she wanted to talk about she did not like the prequel so uh that is not a great sign i have not read recommendation i will say that the the third and fourth movie adaptations of the third book were, I think, better than the third book itself. So, for whatever that's worth. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I think I'd agree with that. Even though I've seen both of them once a long time ago. And <laughs> yeah, the same. last one came out and Hunger Games was no longer relevant. And now this movie's coming out like eight years later or whatever. <laughs> Even fewer people care now. But, uh, I mean, Suzanne Collins just keep cashing the checks good for you uh yeah good and what is this is this paramount who makes hunger games Lionsgate, i think oh Lionsgate. so okay i think this movie will bomb <laughs> yep <laughs> and so we will give it a bombadil yes bombadil how like <laughs> the, who's gonna be in this like who are they gonna get to be in this movie to like draw an audience because you can't have you can't have uh jennifer lawrence no and i mean i bet they'll get they'll bring donald sutherland back or something for because it's like about him his character but he's not like a name draw so i don't know yeah um i'm gonna go bombadil yeah um the super mario bros movie was delayed to april of next year so yeah okay all righty <laughs> 
Bergeron. Yep. Um, oh, Barbie got a release date, and this is interesting. So Barbie is coming out July 21st, 2023, which is the same weekend as Oppenheimer. Oh, wow. We'll yeah. see. So, like, the, t- uh, the, t- the two movies that we've talked about how stacked their casts are <laughs> coming out the same weekend. Every Like, literally just all famous actors will have a red carpet premiere that weekend. Yeah, exactly. Or, I guess, the two weeks before, or 10 days or whatever they do, they red carpet premieres. So, nice. Good for them, I guess. Why are they going to split all the money? Maybe one of them will blink and change. So, My, we'll Yeah, see. I mean, I get, I'm guessing... I haven't heard anything about Oppenheimer in a while, like in terms of development. I would guess that gets delayed or something, but we'll see. I would prefer if they were um, on separate weekends so we could focus on each one separately and give them the, the time yeah, to think about too. them and, and all that. Yeah. Um, and then the only other release date thing I had was Netflix kind of released their like official slate for the rest of the year. And so I saw that The Gray Man is coming out July 22nd of this year. The Gray Man uh july 22nd of this year yeah all right when was it supposed to come out i think it's i don't think we had a release date like i think it was we knew it was coming out this year but now we just know it's coming out in july all right so i'll give that a bergeron yeah um all right other news from CinemaCon. So uh, the Quiet Place spinoff movie we talked about being directed by um, Michael Sarnowski, who directed Pig last year. Um, it is going to be called A Quiet Place Day One. A Quiet Place so. Day One. I mean, that could be interesting. I like it. Mm-hmm. A little bit different uh, perspective. I mean, obviously, the second movie started off with that whole um, prologue, which was really great. Yeah. And um, see that other places of the world. Yeah, be interesting. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give that a Brokaw. Yeah, Brokaw for me too. Um, Mission Impossible 7 also got its title uh, released. So it's going to be called Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. That is a bit of a mouthful. That is an awful title. <laughs> Dead Reckoning <laughs> Part 1. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I... I feel like this could the part one could be kind of you know iffy. I'm gonna in a little bit. I'm gonna talk about the Spider Verse movie name change, but like they could drop the part one, part two kind of thing. But Dead Reckoning itself is kind of a stupid name. Just call them different movies. Like you've already had six of them. Just call it like mm-hmm. I like what Infinity War Endgame did. Like because it yeah like it you everybody in the world knows those two movies are connected. Like you don't need mm-hmm. to have the part one, part two. I get it if it's like an adaptation of a book or something. And it's like you want to be sure. clear that this is part one of the book and this is part two. So I understand that. But if it's like just not being adapted directly from something, just call it two different things. And, and the audience is smart enough to know that they're connected because they'll hear about it, word of mouth and that sort of stuff. And I don't think you necessarily well, like it- want to like like i don't know i guess that they must have crunch numbers on this but i don't know why you'd want to call it your movie part one because then it's just i feel yeah. like it's gonna be less of a push for people to go out and see it because they're like well i'll just wait for the second one to come out and then watch them back to back 
I mean, yeah, look at what Dune did. Like, Dune is Dune Part 1, and I think the second one is going to be called Dune Part 2, but they didn't want people going in. Like, they wanted more people to go in, like, thinking that it was more of a complete story. And and again, that's when I said it's literally an adaptation of the the book Dune. So it's like, this is Part Mm -hmm. 1 of the book, and then they're going to have Part 2. Deathly Hallows Part 1, Deathly Hallows Part 2, but you don't need that. And I think I'm glad they changed the Infinity War Endgame uh titles even though endgame was not a spoiler <laughs> kevin feige <laughs> uh so yeah that's what i have to say about that so dead reckoning part one um well maybe this is the reckoning that papa john's was referring to oh yeah good point <laughs> <laughs> um yeah title uh bombadil if they keep the part one um yeah then the yeah i mentioned earlier spider-verse so uh the third spider-verse movie was confirmed to actually be called uh beyond the spider-verse um so i'm guessing that like part one at the end of this initial trailer for across the spider-verse is more of just in like saying that it was part one of a story which is fine but i'm glad it's different names good so what is it now so the so the one that's the the second one's gonna be across the Spider Verse, and then the third one is beyond the Spider Verse. So it's not gonna be called Across the Spider Verse Part One, Across the Spider Verse Part Two. No. Okay. Again, just call it Across the Spider Verse, and then just say it's part like these two movies are gonna be connected. This is the first half of it. We we yeah. can figure yeah, it exactly. out. The people who care will figure it out. <laughs> yeah, that's what I gotta say. Uh, so I guess cool. good that they changed the title, Brokaw. Brokaw. Okay, so <laughs> after the the resounding success of Morbius, uh, Sony thought that it would be a good idea to greenlight a even more obscure uh, Marvel character for a movie. This was a character that even I had never heard of before, so that's that is not a good sign. <laughs> um but this uh so this movie it's called El Muerto. Um apparently this character has like literally maybe six appearances total in like the comics. It is like he is so minor. Um but he's getting a movie um starring the musician Bad Bunny, who I'm not familiar with, but he seems to be pretty popular. Um he's some uh Latin American artist of some sort. Um, but apparently they wanted a like Sony like Marvel Studios wanted a movie starring him because he's going to be in Bullet Train and they're like oh you're really good in Bullet Train so let's give you your own Marvel movie. Um, El Muerto from what I can gather he just seems to be like a luchador wrestler who's like extra strong so that's not very exciting. <laughs> but this movie is uh, coming out in January 2024 apparently what do you think jimmy oh man uh the sony pictures marvel universe whatever it's called just just end it just just take (laughs) it out back behind the barn put it down it's time for this yeah uh hopefully they just just put the sony pictures marvel universe in halloween uh kills put its head over michael myers and say it ends tonight this ends mm-hmm. tonight and 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 actually end it this time 
Um, that's what I think of that. So uh, this is this sounds not good, but of course you get some talented people behind it. It could be good. Uh, I will not mm-hmm. close the door to that idea, but I am very skeptical based on the track record of the Sony Pictures Marvel Universe. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, with a with a thing like this, the the silver lining about it is that oh well, it's a character that doesn't have very many appearances, so maybe like they can just create something really good on its own, you know? Like does it's not beholden to the, um, like the comics or anything. But Sony hasn't really proved themselves yet at all. So nope. So that's bad. That's a bombadil. Yep, bombadil. Um, and other Sony Marvel news. Uh, we just got word got word at CinemaCon that Venom Three is officially happening, but no other news about it. So that's all I got. That's a bombadil for me. <laughs> yep, I'll give it a bombadil too. Um, other Marvel news that is a little better. Um, but since it's the MCU, uh, but Fantastic Four. Um, John Watts is apparently no longer directing it. Uh, he said that after the Homecoming trilogy, he wants to take a break from superhero movies, but uh, he does want to collaborate with Marvel in the future. So, um, yeah, I don't. As far as I know, there's no other uh, replacement director announced yet. Yeah, well, see, I don't know, uh, John Watts. I mean, that's a pretty competent director. Obviously, made both of our favorite mm-hmm. movies of last year. So nice or made our favorite movie last year so that's good well made your favorite movie made my second oh, yeah, favorite your movie. second favorite movie because i forgot you loved west side Story so much okay. <laughs> um i did uh yeah so that's a bergeron for me okay yeah i'll give a bergeron too um other just confirmation without really any other news was uh the batman 2 is officially happening that's confirmed at CinemaCon. i mean we could have guessed that but good to know that warner yeah, brothers isn't completely out of their mind yeah <laughs> um wait, it's with it's, it's with all, matt uh, reeves all... and robert pattinson and all that right they confirmed uh, all that, uh, i believe as far as i know i believe they confirmed yeah. matt reeves as the director so that that's good for me so broca yeah, Brokaw. Um, okay, so Avatar news. Um, hasn't happened for a while, but from what I can tell, Avatar 2 is coming out this year because um, they said that, one, the sequel trailer is going to be playing before Doctor Strange next week. So, yes, or this some week, pictures so. leaked, I believe. Oh, I didn't see any. Did you I see I saw any them, one? and I'm like, yep, looks like uh, Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I, apparently, from what I understand, the trailer is not going to be released online until like a week after Doctor Strange premieres. So when we talk about it on the podcast, we are going to be going off of like three days old information about a movie we don't really care about. So, <laughs> um, and then also for Avatar, they're apparently re-releasing the original in theaters in September with remastered visuals and sound. So neat. Okay. They're just trying to take uh, over, yeah. trying to take over Endgame again. Is that it? I think it already has because I think it was like re-released in China like a year or two ago, and I think it is higher than Endgame again. Why do people pay so, so much to see this movie that is fine? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I hundred percent think this like this sequel is going to do really well too. Like even if like people genuinely just don't seem to care about it, like the first one anymore, but. 
I don't Here's, know. I think Disney's going to hype this one up enough that people are going to flock to see it. Okay. I Yes. The second one could make a bill. I don't think it's making two bill. I think it's making a bill. No. I don't think three, four, or five, anybody's going to care. Unless the second movie is just amazing. Like, I just don't. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the second one will do fine, and then it will be diminishing returns, and I'll be like, why did we do this? I uh, hope this <laughs> yeah. comment ages poorly, because if it does, that means we got a great film series out of the Avatar movies, but I just, I don't think, I don't think so. Uh, we'll see. Jim Cameron is obviously a very good filmmaker. He continues to prove people wrong, but he has not really done anything in a while. Has he made a movie since Avatar? No, he hasn't because he's been busy with uh, deep sea diving and also um, uh, just giving the okay for Terminator sequels that he says are like as good as the original and they never are. (laughs) (laughs) Um so I will give this a, a Bergeron, I guess, all that information. Yeah. Um, and then uh, John Wick. I don't remember if we'd ever talked about that it is getting a spinoff uh, movie called Ballerina. Um, but there's a little bit of development about it this week. Um, so casting-wise, the lead is going to be played by uh, Anna de Armas. So that's fun. Um, the spin, the synopsis of it seems to be a female assassin dead set on seeking revenge against those responsible for killing her family. Seems seems yep, seems seems about yep, right. Seems about right. John Wick Four is that next year <laughs> or what? Yeah, that's next year. We yeah, did? and I think I actually saw that there was a trailer that played at CinemaCon for it. So I don't know if we'll be getting that soon. But that is, it wasn't Parabellum twenty nineteen yeah i think so yeah i did not expect there to be a four-year gap between john wick movies but it is what it is i guess yeah um in my opinion those movies get better and better having seen each one once so uh i guess this is cool for anna damers she was great in uh uh james bond no time to die so mm-hmm. yes uh, i'll give it a broca i suppose yeah broca for me as well um also, uh, other cin- the last bit of cine- CinemaCon news uh, is that there is a, a new Ghostbusters being made. Shocker. Cool. Night. <laughs> Neat. Uh, Bergeron. Yeah, Bergeron. Uh, and then the only other thing I had was this movie. I wanted to mention this movie that I've never heard of before, but it also it rivals uh, like Barbie and... Um, Oppenheimer for like stacked casts so I think uh, like a little bit was shown at CinemaCon and that's how it came up it's this movie called Amsterdam um, directed by David O. Russell who directed The Fighter and American Hustle among other things I've never seen either of those but apparently both are good um, but it so this cast comes this movie comes out in November of this year. It has Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, John David Washington, Rami Malik, Zoe Saldana, Robert De Niro, Mike Myers, uh, Timothy Oliphant, Michael Shannon, Chris Rock, and Anya Taylor Joy. Wow, that is a lot of people that I recognize. <laughs> uh, interesting. Yeah, uh, we'll see if it's any good. I guess so. Yeah. I'll give that a Bergeron. Yeah, Bergeron. Um, actually, I'll give that one a Brokaw. I, 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 that kind of makes me excited for this movie I know next to nothing about. Um, 
I don't know. Uh, do, do you have anything else in terms of movie news or gaming news? Uh, I think we, that's all I got. We did miss a piece of gaming news last week, and that was that Amy Hennig apparently is going to actually make a Star Wars game this time, even though they said she yeah. was going oh, to, that's right. and then she didn't. And now they said she's going to again, and I still think it probably won't happen, but we'll see. <laughs> um, she made the first three Uncharted games. I think they are good in certain places and not very good in other places. I think people see them with rose-tinted glasses on uh, sometimes, but uh, we'll see. I mean, I want her to have a chance at least, um, and I'd be excited for it because that would mean it's story-driven Star Wars game, which is what I would love to see. Yeah. So I'll give it a Brokaw. I'll give it a Brokaw. Give it a Bergeron. Whatever. Whatever. (laughs) I don't really care. Yeah. Um yeah, I think if that's it then uh then we can move on to Moon Knight episode 5. All right, hold on. Let's dive into our spoiler discussion and review of Moon Knight episode 5. All right. Moon Knight episode 5. Um yeah, uh, second to last episode of this series. Um, you missed an, a beautiful you, opportunity think, to say the word penultimate, Holden. You can't, you can't <sighs> just give up a, an opportunity to say penultimate, Holden. You got to take advantage of that anytime you can. The penultimate episode of Moon Knight. Yes, there you go. Um, the Asylum. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, what'd you think, Jimmy? Uh, okay, first off. As a an episode of this TV series, I thought this was quite good. I thought this was the episode mm-hmm. this series desperately needed to have. I think it brought a lot of things together, finally. I still think the journey from point A to B was not nearly as focused as it should have been, and it was very clunky. Um We'll see how much that gets wrapped up in the sixth episode. I have a very hard time believing that everything will wrap up nicely in the sixth episode because there seems a lot. There seems like there's a lot of story left to be told. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm. I wonder if it's going to be like a longer episode or anything because it it does. I mean, this is the first time I have kind of agreed with you that it seems like there's a a lot left. I mean, this kind of it. It's kind of it was a welcome addition. It kind of reminded me of the second to last episode of WandaVision where it focus it's like took a step back and was like all right, we're going to focus more on backstory and everything. And I think it it was good uh from that aspect, but yeah, still means there's one episode left to wrap all of this up. It felt like the show is actually finally finally building momentum to a conclusion rather than just building mm-hmm. more and more questions. Um now it's yeah. like we're going somewhere. The plot is going somewhere. The characters are going somewhere. Um, I like the dynamic between Steven and Mark. I like how things you're kind of constantly being thrown around as a viewer uh, and exploring this relationship through the idea of the Egyptian one underworld, which I did say, Holden. I was like, it would be great if they explored the Egyptian underworld in this show. So, yeah, was the Egyptian underworld, like, accurate to what um, you knew about it? I mean, I don't know anything about Egyptian underworld. So, yes, there is an underworld called the Duat. Um, okay. it It's normally more like 
there's different elements of it and sometimes it gets misconstrued as it just basically looks like hell but it's it's not there's different parts of it and there are like parts that do look like hell but i i was fine with like the visual representation of it here and the creative liberties that they took to like oh we're gonna explore it and this is kind of your own personalized journey of it because the egyptian underworld is very much like from what I understand is like a very personal journey and catered to your experience. Okay. I like that, but there are a lot of inaccuracies in terms of, uh, they just pulled their heart out at the beginning and just put it on the scale. And that's kind of the end of the thing. You're like supposed to get through the underworld to get to the scale. And there's all these things that you have to do. So mm, first you okay. just have to traverse the underworld to find, uh, the hall of truth as, uh, I am aware that it is called. And, um, then you have to like say 42 negative confessions so it's like you're saying that you haven't like done a sin so it's like i have never lied and i have never stolen anything but you you're lying and you have like a, a scarab amulet covering your heart so the gods can't tell who you are lying to so they like oh they think you're being honest they let you through to the next section and that's when they weigh your heart on the scale and in the the show they're like oh you need to your heart needs to balance the feather which is not accurate it is the it's either it's either lighter or heavier if your heart is heavier that's when amit eats you and devours your soul and you cease to exist and if your heart is lighter lighter that is when you are carried by i think it's escorted by Ra to osiris uh the god of the underworld who says congratulations you get to go to the field of reeds and then you go to the field of reeds which the field of reeds at the end of the show where Mark is seems pretty accurate. It's basically just heaven, but it's just you're just farming. Uh, so that that was accurate to that. They do call it the Field of Reeds, which is good. Uh, are the uh, the lands of Aru, and they said Aru in this, so they they said the words. Uh, Anubis is the one who puts your heart on the scale, not Taret Tau Tau I don't know how to say your name. Yeah, I was. I was. I mean, I wasn't familiar with that goddess. Was, does she have I, anything to do I, with like, the afterlife? I, I looked up. I just went back to be like, okay, I want to make sure that my understanding is correct. And, and what I did find on like when I was reading over like the Wikipedia page, I'm like, yeah, this is what I've understood it as. Yeah, Tarot is not mentioned at all in the underworld. Uh, but uh, they at least had Anubis like was holding the scale. If you look at the scale, like Anubis is like holding it up like a little statue of him so that's mm-hmm. fine there are boats and stuff in the underworld i liked the the weird zombie things so they took creative liberties i would say the essence of it was there but a lot some of the pieces were just not accurate at all i'm like okay but uh i'll give it a pass i thought it was uh sure thought it was <laughs> interesting that they did it and just to compare what i knew about it to what they have done so kind of still mm-hmm. i was nerding out holden and uh i thought it was just a good episode <laughs> of the show yeah in general um i mean this is oscar isaac has done really well this whole time but this is probably his strongest performance yet he has a lot of i mean it's it's all a focus back on on mark and steven's backstories and there's a lot of trauma there so he has a lot to work with um there's uh, the scene where and we see him start using Steven as like a as a cover in his adult life. Um, I thought was really good because that was after he had just basically not gone to his mother's funeral. That was a very good scene. Um, but yeah, in general, Oscar Isaac has just done a, a fantastic job. I think with the, with his performance. Yeah. in the show. 
and um, I guess I so far I'm just wrong about there being a third personality. So yeah, it's it's weird because I mean we get the flashback of when um, Layla's um, father died. And it seems like what he had said initially is like kind of true. Um, apparently, I I was kind of reading into it. The character that Mark was with is another like Moon Knight villain. So I don't know if that's anything in any sort of future appearance. So we'll, we'll get the other character, character, I guess, is the one who killed them. But maybe they just didn't want to cast that character yet in case they do something bigger with them in the future. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I understand. Um, but yeah, I, f- I just I feel like there has to be some sort of third personality thing. Um, I mean, they've hinted at it so much that it would seem weird that there isn't. But also, I don't know how they'd be able to bring that into the final episode and make it satisfying at all. I don't know. Maybe th- maybe it'd be better if they just don't bring it in, honestly. Well, uh, we'll see. And uh, <laughs> if our uh, statements are not making sense today, it's because <laughs> our we've had a lot of technical difficulties. So but it seems like our yeah. conversation is very disconnected. That would be why. And literally, as I was spewing that sentence, <laughs> we had more issues. So now we're back again. And uh, my future uh. self is going to hate everything that's happening because this is going to turn into a project and if this is not coming out and when it normally does it's because i am figuring out how to piece this conversation together but we'll see (laughs) it's just as disjointed as the series itself it's really just uh microcosm macrocosm going on here (laughs) um I, well, one of the things I know we I know neither of us have mentioned while we were you know talking to ourselves at any point um, <laughs> is that I, I it's interesting this this episode was a lot I mean I, I keep mentioning that the show is darker in general but I mean you go into stuff about like I mean your Mark's sibling little brother died he blames himself for it um, there's you know physical child abuse um, with the mother and alcoholism and all that. It's it was very interesting for I mean even with all we had seen so far I wasn't exactly expecting that but um. no I figured if they were gonna go like the route of like it would be something as like some sort of trauma that forced him to feel like the need to make this separate personality um, the one thing that I didn't I don't know it didn't make sense to me is that okay Stephen is the one who's like innocent and none of this stuff happened to. But when his mom is like barging into the room, he changes into Steven. So that part seemed like it was contradicting itself to me. Maybe I was, maybe I missed something. But he's like, he's scared as Mark when she's banging on the door. He turns to Steven. He's like, oh, Steven's not afraid of anything. And he starts picking up his room and stuff. And then his mom barges in. And they don't, unless I miss something, he doesn't turn back to Mark. But Mark is the one that understands his mom is like this and Steven doesn't so that yeah you know what that is a good point um that seemed like an error yeah i don't know if if they were implying that like you know steven appeared that one time and then he just like didn't appear again until um later on during that scene where we see it happen uh when his mom dies 
I and so maybe it was just kind of like a one-time thing up until that later point and so Steven wouldn't remember that but I don't know that just that seems unlikely because I mean if you have that big sort of you know mental break or whatever I feel like that wouldn't just go away for a while <laughs> I don't know I think it would make more sense if Steven was the one with all the trauma but he's yeah. not so I'm I'm confused yeah I mean I think standpoint. it kind of it does kind of seem like it was more of just to be a twist that like oh the character that you were initially introduced to actually isn't the original one but it would make more sense if Steven you know was the one that was abused he got scared he made Mark who's the strong one um and everything and I mean, I guess that would also, like, make some other aspects of the show that we've seen not really work quite as well, but I feel like that would just be the more satisfying thing for the backstory. Yeah, I, it just seems inconsistent, is what mm-hmm. I'm just saying. And it, it it's one of those things that's, like, again, a good idea on paper, the execution isn't fully there, which I think is yeah. a lot of the show for me. Um, But overall, I did like the character exploration and the idea of doing it kind of through this take on the Egyptian underworld and this personalized experience. But now he's going to have to be risen from the dead again. And Steven is gone. I don't know. It seemed it seemed weird that Steven was gone, not by Mark's choice, but just because it happened. And yeah, that and- seemed that did not seem that satisfying. Like, I think Mark needed to actively choose to get rid of steven yeah and just in general it seems it seems weird that steven is even with like you know the the twist that mark is the original one it seems just weird that mark is the one that still exists when he's the one that we've spent lesser time with in the show so now just the main character that we've, you know, we started out the show with, have spent a lot of the show with. He's just gone, I guess. I'm guessing he's not. I'm guessing somehow he's going to come back in some form. But I would think so, too. I don't I don't know. I like I don't know if like if Steven should be gotten rid of or if he should be kept. And I, I mean, maybe like I mean, I don't know how you could do it or like like the two become more one of some. Sort. That's what I'm thinking is like okay it's time for mark to go time for steven to go and understand that these are two facets of himself and that's where i thought they were going to go with it and maybe they still are i think if they stay if they both stay i think that's how they should go is where they're like kind of this symbiotic relationship within this character and they've kind of mastered the moon knight powers and all that mm-hmm. um and if they don't go that way and one of them has to go i think mark should choose to get rid of steven and it's like a very heartbreaking moment rather than oh no steven fell off the boat (laughs) you know (laughs) what i'm saying like uh, a man overboard yeah that's that that's how i feel about it because right Mm -hmm. now it just seemed like something that happened to the characters rather than a choice that was made to progress the plot yeah i agree so um yes the uh, what I what I was thinking uh, when you were talking about that was um, how I think it was the second episode we had, we came up with this like wild theory about how the show would go and it's just not gone in that route at all. 
<laughs> what did we say with the second episode? It was we were we were thinking that it was going to spend more time about like with like Harrow and like how he was like both sides were going to become very disillusioned with the gods that they like followed and stuff, and it was going to be more about that. And then they were going to, like, maybe, you know, end up teaming up against both Khonshu and Amit or whatever. Um, I don't know. I will say that, I, I don't know, I I don't think it has been that interesting between then and now, except for this last ep- episode. Yeah, I mean, I that's kind of what I was thinking. I was thinking that our idea was almost better. Like, I feel like I would have rather seen that. Although, I mean, if I guess if it had gone in that route, it would have been disappointing that we predicted it. But... Um. Yeah, I don't know. I just I think the a lot of I mean you have the themes of with internal conflict with you know Mark and Stephen, but I think they could have you know done even more with it with Conchu and with Arthur and the God he's he's following and all of that. I think they could have just done more with it. Arthur just wasn't even like really in this episode. I mean, yeah. yes, Ethan Hawke was, but Arthur wasn't. Yeah. So. Yeah. It seems, it, and they like he wasn't even out of the underworld by the end of the episode. I mean, technically he was out of the underworld in the terms of hey, he was in the field of reeds, but he's not like back in the the real world yet. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, even if you were, there'd be a bullet in you, which means you need Conchu. Which I'm guessing somehow Layla is going to get Conchu back, who's going to bring Mark back, and then they're going to stop Arthur Harrow. I guess which is a lot to have happen in the last episode. <laughs> And it, yeah, and I don't know. I, I, I don't know what else would happen. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, weird. Yeah, I, like, I mean, I thought they were teasing a third personality. Like, I felt very confident last week in maybe just a guess not. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know. It, I don't, I'm, I'm just curious. I guess I'm, I'm morbidly curious about how they're going to wrap up everything. Like, I feel like it could either be, there's a small chance it could be very very satisfying because i mean i have overall liked the show so far and so maybe they they do just they know exactly what they're doing they've got a just very tight last episode planned but there's just so much yeah i don't know i mean i've enjoyed parts of this show other parts have been very frustrating for me to watch (laughs) as you know from listening to this podcast (laughs) So we'll see. I think there's just a lot of missed opportunities. I think is one of the things. And, and when a show has missed opportunities or a movie has missed opportunities, it's hard to judge it for what it is. It's hard to judge yeah. it for what it is when you like in your mind you see a better version of it. Exactly. And and that's kind of like ultimately a disappointment. But again, we have one episode left. Let's see where it ends, and then we can kind of evaluate the series as a whole. So yeah. That's where I'm at. This is a solid episode. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Yeah. Um, I think I'm right around an 8 out of 10, too. We got one of our only, like, larger MCU connections in this episode. Uh, it wasn't even, like... I mean, it's not, like, a huge connection, but um, the, the hippo god, I can never remember her name, but she mentions the ancestral plane, which is the one from Black Panther. So Okay, that's what that was. I'm like, I recognize that, and I'm like, yeah. what is it? So... It, which is interesting, right? Because it's like in the Marvel universe, it seems like whatever your religion is, that's kind of what happens to you, and they all kind of exist simultaneously. 
Yeah, which I think is is cool because I think that just adds there's more variety with like what they can do in the future um, with the afterlife and in the MCU and everything. So, yeah, but then they're all all there. Then there are all these souls going down to the Egyptian underworld. So I'm like, all right, wait, a bunch of people just live believing in the Egyptian underworld. Yeah, that is true. Well, I wonder it might just be because. Yeah, I guess uh, I don't know. But, oh, Arthur like, Harrow, I guess, is just going, and that's why probably. Yeah, stealing the souls. Does do other people's religions override your religion? <laughs> if they like, <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, maybe we can't think about this too hard, Jimmy. Like, I feel like there's there's not a good answer for any of this, but. No. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's I guess that's what I'm taking it as. Like Arthur Harrow, he's the one who's judging the souls. So I guess that's where they they end up in the Egyptian underworld. I don't know. He's overriding their religions. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> so you're gonna have these souls going down to the Egyptian underworld that are gonna be like, oh, so Egypt in the Egyptian gods are the the true gods, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, no. Another thing they kind of missed missed out on, and maybe it would have been out of the norm to put it in here it made it might have been too outside of the box for this show is uh in the egyptian underworlds there's a bunch of different spells that you can do mm-hmm. and uh well you like need these spells just to be able to like talk and move and stuff and to like i think there's a still spell to like <laughs> make sure you don't actually accidentally eat your own poop and stuff uh they have something for everything and um you can like summon raw to fight eight crocodiles at once they're very specific and uh, they that could, is specific <laughs> they are very like yes you can summon raw to fight eight crocodiles at once <laughs> and um so they missed opportunity there but i don't hold that against them and, and all that like i said they had they took creative liberties so i'm just happy that they did made it a version of it because it's mm-hmm. fun to compare and contrast and i'll get to bring it up with my students to say oh you see moon knight you know you see this stuff <laughs> Um, so I think that's where we're at. I'm not going to think too hard about it, Holden, because like you said, I don't think a lot of it makes much sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think. Yes. Excited to see what happens next week. We'll see. Um, All right. Let's move on to our uh, non-spoiler review of The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. All right, so The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent is the uh, new Nick Cage movie. Uh, If you've seen any trailers for it, you may know that it's a very meta movie where Nick Cage plays a version of himself. Um, Much like his real-life counterpart, they they poke jokes about him not, you know, being bad with money and all of this, and so he's kind of broke. So he takes this job um, from this eccentric billionaire to appear at his birthday party and antics ensue when he learns more about this individual and, and everything. Um, it's a love letter to Nick Cage movies while not being inaccessible to anyone who's not very familiar with Nick Cage. Um, but yeah, Jimmy, I don't know. What what do you think of this movie? I think that was a great point to pick up. That is, a, It is a love letter to Nick Cage movies, but you don't need to have seen Nick Cage movies in order to like this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this movie is one of is like the epitome of a movie that knows what it is mm-hmm. and just has no shame in just being the best version of itself. Yeah. I think it deserves credit for that. It's very entertaining. 
it is very very meta i think and it works most of the time i think the side characters are lacking but the core of the film is the dynamic between pedro pascal and nick cage and that works tremendously and yeah that is really what holds this film together and makes this a very t- very fun outing at the theater yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, looking at a lot of the aspects outside of those two characters, a lot of it is kind of like either just fine or lacking, but like they are so good together in this movie that it makes up for a lot of it in my eyes. Um, apparently, Pedro Pascal in real life is a huge Nick Cage fan, so I don't even think he had to act for this movie. Like, he was probably just <laughs> on set getting to nerd out with Nick Cage about his movies and all of that but their chemistry in this movie is so good yeah the bromance works and if you like watching a movie with the good bromance this one's for you and it's got a little bit of everything like it's got the the character studies it's got Mm -hmm. the the espionage it's got the action Mm -hmm. um it's got (laughs) your uh oh i won't spoil anything so I'll just leave it at that. It's got a little bit of everything. It's very entertaining. It's very, uh, it's funny. And I think most of the jokes land. I think it's pretty well paced, keeps you interested. And uh, yeah, that's that's what I have to say about it. Yeah, it's a, uh, the jokes in the movie, I like, it is kind of weird because I feel like it, it could very easily just be very cringy. And I think the trailers kind of had some of the worst jokes in it um not the i mean there were a couple good ones in the trailer but i was kind of going into this like ah you know i've heard it's good but the jokes in the trailer were fine it was just kind of whatever you know crudes 2 haha funny crudes 2 is not an adult movie um (laughs) but yeah i i don't know i i think the the humor overall worked really well i think part of it is just due to nick cage's like charisma his dedication to this like even though from what i uh, we kind of talked about it last week that uh nick cage it wasn't on board initially for this um but i think he seems to have really embraced it and he's like yeah you know it's people people he seems to be very self-aware in real life too about how people view him and seems to be accepting of it so just fits him really well i guess i always am fascinated by how as like the person who writes the script how do you like that has to be so nerve-wracking to actually go Mm -hmm. to nick cage and have him read it yeah i mean to hear what he thinks especially when like the aspect i mentioned with like you know him just like not being good with money and all of this things like things that you know ever, like a lot of people know but like aren't exactly you know positive aspects about nick cage like you, you incorporate that into your script i would yeah i'm with you i would just be terrified to have him read it yeah i just think it's weird uh to do that what was the other movie um was it uh i maybe think of uncut gems with like kevin garnett maybe oh yeah it's like just not like a very flattering portrayal of somebody and they're just playing themselves in it so it's interesting um although this isn't completely unflattering of nick cage it's got plenty of reveling in nick cage's glory as well um I just like the kind of inner monologues he has with himself as well as he kind of evaluates 
what he yeah, thinks it, of himself is very interesting and they they go about doing that in a very creative way that i think is entertaining and works well i almost would have liked more of those i, I was kind of thinking about it like oh those those bits were some of the best i would have liked more of those but i also didn't want that cutting into like him and pedro pascal which i feel like it would a bit so i don't know maybe they did it just the right amount but those were some of the funniest bits yeah i think uh it was great I uh, agree that this could have been, this was a big swing and you could have missed by a mile and mm-hmm. it would have fallen really flat. Like when I saw the trailer for this movie, I was like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that could be really bad. And it was not. It was very entertaining. Uh, if you are a fan of Nick Cage, you're going to love this movie. If you aren't a fan of Nick Cage, I think you're still going to like this movie. Um I obviously don't consider myself the biggest Nick Cage fan. However, I, uh, you know, I've seen like National Treasure and mm-hmm. um, a couple other of his films, so I appreciated it. There, I, I'm sure there were plenty of references that just went way over my head, but uh, it's still funny without those because yeah. <laughs> the, the humor stands on its own, which is great because it has those Easter eggs, but it's not like just here's fan service. This is all this is. It's uh, there is actually some meat on this bone and it's unique. Like you're not going to see a movie like this all the time. It's original and it works. So I, I thought it was a very fun time at the theater. I'd recommend it to a lot of people. If you are yeah. like somewhat interested by the trailer, go see it. You're going to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was I was kind of worried. I, I mentioned it on the podcast last week that I've spent. I'll, I'll talk about it more. And what are you doing? But I've watched a lot of Nick Cage movies over the last couple of weeks, and I was kind of doing it because I was a little worried I wouldn't understand what what was happening in the movie. But I feel like it only enhanced my experience. Um, there's obviously the references, which weren't like all the jokes. The jokes weren't just references, as you said, but. Um, one of the things I wanted to mention, um, I'll talk about more about adaptation and what are you doing, but this movie has like, it <laughs> has a lot of parallels with the movie adaptation, which is kind of weird. It is a Nick Cage movie. Um, it's more, it's not one of his action movies or anything. Very good movie. They don't mention adaptation at all in this. So I don't know. I, I wonder if that the plot itself is supposed to be like a reference to it. Um, but yeah, that was just a big thing I noticed because I think I had seen that movie like the night before I went and saw this one. So it was fresh in my mind. Hey, everybody, it's Jimmy. I'm in the editing process. As you know, this episode gave us so many technical difficulties. Hopefully it's been pretty seamless on your guys' end. I think I've done a good job pasting this thing together. Uh, but right when I thought I was home free we had made it to the end of the episode without any more difficulties in the uh, audio. I discovered that in a few seconds here, Holden's microphone starts making a really obnoxious noise in the background. I've done my absolute best to remove it as much as possible without making Holden sound like a complete cyborg. But uh, when Holden's voice starts sounding very wonky in a second, that is why hopefully it is still... Uh, easy for you to listen to and it's not too annoying so a little disclaimer here we will get these issues panned out we'll make sure holden has a good internet connection next week so we can get back the quality of the podcast that you are used to because as you guys know this is not the norm for us 
we'll get these issues ironed out. And thank you for still listening to us. If this is the first time you've listened to us, not normally like this. So please stick around and uh, don't let this don't let this scare you away. All right, just just let Holden scare you away, or me. We'll scare you away, but not our audio quality. So. Hopefully, uh, just hang in there the rest of the episode, and we'll get this ironed out next week. Hopefully, just like they get those uh, plot issues ironed out in Moon Knight. Am I right? All right. Back to the episode. Interesting. Um, anything else you specifically want to cover in non-spoilers? Because I don't, I don't think um, there's a ton to talk about non-spoiler-wise, because it's just kind of fun to share what we specific moments we enjoyed from the movie and yeah i I mean i think i didn't really go into any negatives i think it's just kind of as you said some of the side characters are kind of whatever i think overall like visually and like with like the soundtrack a lot of the technical aspects are like competent it's fine it's it's nothing like very exciting i think aside from like the inner monologue stuff which is probably the more visual visually interesting aspects I think a lot of it, it's just like, it's serviceable, nothing breathtaking. Which, um, and it doesn't, it, for me, for this movie, for what it was doing, it didn't need to be. Yeah, and, um, yeah, like I still had a been, very good time. Yeah, that would have just been the icing on top. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think I'm ready for ratings, Jimmy. Rating, I'm going to give it 8.5 out of 10. Uh, because okay. it just has such a high entertainment value. And I think it was a really difficult script to pull off. And they did. And the chemistry between Pedro Pascal, Nicolas Cage, the performances leading the cast mm-hmm. were exceptional. I would watch another. I would watch a sequel to this movie in a heartbeat. Um, I would too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and yeah. So that's that's and if that's the barometer I'm going with. It's a movie that knows what it is. It does a good job. There's you know not everything about it is exceptional. The side characters specifically are like seem very undercooked. Um, some of the side character acting is not as great. Clearly, it just wasn't the focus. But the parts that were needed to hit did hit, and they were great. I enjoyed it. Eight and a half out of ten. Yeah. Um. I. Re- I mean, it, even if they don't do a sequel to this, I really want to see Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal do a movie together again because I mean, I think that chemistry would carry over even when it's not being like a meta comedy kind of thing. Um. But I think I'll, I'll I'll go seven and a half out of ten. Um, very solid uh, action comedy movie. I, I enjoyed it as well. Yeah. I would like to see Nick Cage play the cannibal weird guy in the winter part of The Last of Us. Um, yeah, that would be good. <laughs> that that weird cult guy. Yeah, uh, he's played by Nolan. Uh, North, David. David. Yeah, he's played by uh, no. Yeah, no, no, Nolan North. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. In uh, The Last of Us. I think his name's David. Uh, I would like to see Nick Cage play that character in the live action HBO really series. Yeah. Opposite <laughs> of Pedro Pascal. <laughs> um, yes. And if you've played The Last of Us, you know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Let's go into spoilers. Spoilers for the unbearable weight of massive talent. Um, I don't know. Where, where should we start, Jimmy? Um, well, let's see. So the whole plot goes around that kidnapping of the uh, the daughter daughter of the presidential 
I can't remember. Catalonia? Yeah, some like some Central American country or something. I don't know which one it was. Definitely, definitely in Spain. (laughs) Was it Spain? I yeah, it's it's Catalonia, Spain, I believe. Oh, I I don't know. I like when I was looking up the plot for this movie, it like did not say like anything about well, like when I was looking up synopses. So, swing and a miss. I, I apologize. I believe that is Spain. If okay. I, I You're could probably be incorrect, right. but I was under the impression it was Spain the entire movie. And I believe Catalonia is a part of Spain. And I didn't hear the controversial Catalonia part. Uh, I don't, is Catalonia but, different from Spain now? I'm not even sure. I don't know. Um, so that just, that's bad. I should know that stuff, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to claim myself an expert on that politics of that region. Um, yeah. So she's kidnapped. Nick Cage is going over for the million dollars. You guys know this is spoilers. And uh, what it like? What did you? Were you interested in the whole espionage thing, or do you wish it was just the hangout movie? I guess which maybe which parts did you enjoy more? I mean, I I enjoyed the hangout movie aspects more. I think there were some aspects of the espionage that were pretty funny. Um, I liked the bit where he like accidentally paralyzed himself or like he drugged himself. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um. It was very like Jim Carrey <laughs> almost. Yeah, like, Jim. I was thinking Jim Carrey get smart vibes a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um, but yeah, I liked that whole sequence. But aside from that, I don't think it really added too much. I mean, I guess you needed like some sort of conflict because I mean, if he just came to the island, you know, of this millionaire who is, you know, this huge fan of nick cage i don't really know what their what the conflict would be um but you know i it it worked it was just like the less interesting part i think for me i agree and i agree you needed something there and it was serviceable and i Mm -hmm. agree that the part where he incapacitates himself (laughs) it's pretty funny i i think it reminded me a lot of the it's the Ace Ventura when nature calls. Yeah, yeah, he's that's running what I was around thinking. with his three darts <laughs> is too much. He's running around, his arms are flying. Yeah, that's what it was. It reminded me of that. It wasn't. I mean, it, he doesn't have quite the physicality that Jim Carrey does because no one does. But it, yeah, it reminded me of that. Yeah. Um. What was I gonna say? Yeah, the CIA agents. Boy, that was. They were not good, were they? Why were no. there two of them? I had never understood why there was a pair of them. Yeah, I'm getting, was, like a lot of that had to be cut out or something. Hundred percent, because it was like they just they were like thrown away at the end. Essentially, it seems so weird because like the guy was just dead when they got there. Yeah, he literally was, got killed off screen. Yeah, <laughs> it just seemed weird. I, I thought maybe he was like knocked out or something because he was just tied up in the chair. I was like, okay, maybe he's you know maybe he's alive and that'll come into play. But nope, they're they both. Just die <laughs> yeah yeah Interesting. And they were they were the least funny aspects of it just in general and a lot of the lamest jokes came from them um but yeah um did you ever buy that pedro pascal was actually evil no i didn't either no. i'm like they're they're trying to make us think that he's a bad guy but it's somebody else 
Yeah, I mean, like, I didn't know it. exactly who it was, I guess, but he just, there was, like, no, there was never any moment where it felt like he was a bad person. Yeah, we never got any hint. I mean, whenever we would almost get it, like, when Nick Cage is, like, looking at the uh, the place that turns out to be, like, his Nick Cage fan cave thing, when he was over there, like, Nick uh, Pedro Pascal comes over and says something somewhat threatening, but then it's immediately played off as, like, a joke. As, like, oh, let's do drugs or whatever. <laughs> like, it was never, yeah. there was never any lingering doubt in my mind, I don't think. Yeah, when they were outside that thing, I was like, well, that's clearly just the place where he keeps the Nick Cage statue from this trailer. Yeah. Um, having seen this when the when the movie is coming out so maybe you know people 20 years from now that would be a bigger surprise who have not seen the trailer mm-hmm. um other things i want to talk about i swear that i picked up a national treasure reference when the cia agents come like kidnap him and he's like what do you guys want you want my money here take my watch it's it's real uh i i swear that's a reference to him in national treasure 1 when he needs his $100 bill back to look at the time on, like, oh, gosh, what's the place called in Philadelphia? No, I'm forgetting. That's really bad. Um, <laughs> but he's got to look at the clock. And he, it's on The picture's on the back of the $100 bill. And the, the, the cashier's like, no, I'm not going to give you your $100 bill back. He's like, oh, here, take my watch. You know, it's real. It's, it's very valuable. And she's like, okay. I swear that's a reference to that. I have not had it confirmed. Um, yeah, I... But, uh, yeah. It's been a long time. I I think I've only ever seen National Treasure all the way through once, so I couldn't tell you. But that movie has a bonkers soundtrack. Uh, soundtrack. <laughs> I do kind of want to rewatch it because isn't is sh- who's the villain? Sean Bean. Yeah, it is. Okay. I rewatched it, and it's uh, this was like in high school. I rewatched it. It's pretty terrible but very entertaining <laughs> like i loved it when i was i thought it was the coolest thing ever um, um yeah ben yeah <laughs> i'm trying to think well okay so we other like nick cage good uh references we got the not the bees line at yeah. the end not the bees not the bees <laughs> which i was kind of like i always forget that that's like a cut scene from that movie that's not even in the wicker man it's that not was, in the movie no, it's a deleted scene. I did not know that. Yeah, like I so I've never seen it, but I remember like seeing that that it was just a deleted scene and I, so that just goes to show you the power of of memes and everything that a, a silly deleted scene like that becomes more famous than the rest of the movie. <laughs> uh those were the two I really caught in the moment. I'm sure there a lot went over my head. Yeah, uh, the uh, I I will kind of just mention the adaptation uh, comparison that I kind of had hinted at before. Um, so the adaptation has the whole it, it's about like someone writing a movie. Um, it's and that movie itself is very meta as well. I don't I'm not going to go into the whole details of like the plot of that movie because it's complicated. But um, this is. There's, there's also a lot of like screenwriting stuff in this movie and they talk about like oh how you need like a big action sequence at the end and all of that and then of course it all ends up happening in the movie because <laughs> there's not really like much action before that you know end se- sequence um so there's just a lot of you know 
them talking about something that needs to happen in a movie and then it ends up happening and that happens in adaptation too i think it's a little bit more clever in that movie the way they go about it but i i would be surprised if that's not at least some sort of homage to that movie yeah, I don't know. I just I thought it worked. I was like, this is gonna switch to the movie at the end. They're gonna pull mm-hmm. an Austin Powers gold member, <laughs> and Nick Cage is just gonna be Tom Cruise, and all that. But uh, yeah, uh, the, and that was it. Worked fine. I'm glad. I was worried that Javi was dead, but he was alive, so that's good. Yeah. So. Thank goodness. Oh, room uh, for a sequel. <laughs> One of the other things, it's it's kind of a larger Nick Cage reference, but they make fun of like him not being good at accents too. <laughs> oh yes, yes, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, yeah, they do it is, a couple that was different times t- throughout. Yeah, yeah, they do it a couple different times throughout the movie, and it is it is very funny. Um, I mean, they even they even start with a clip from Con Air where he has a a pretty bad Southern accent in that movie, um, and then yeah. So another good self-aware bit that I would be really scared of presenting to Nick Cage if I was the screenwriter. <laughs> um, did you want to mention anything specific about the kind of inner monologue scenes where he's talking to his younger self? I mean, I want to mention like the bit where he makes out with himself. Oh, like yeah, the- <laughs> that's right. That was hilarious. That was probably the funniest part of the movie. Yeah. Nick like, Cage I- kisses good or whatever he says. Yeah. <laughs> Just the, I mean, that whole aspect was so funny because younger Nick Cage, that was where, like, he really got to be crazy and everything, like, classic crazy Nick Cage, and he, um, I'm trying to remember which look he, uh, that character is based off of, I don't remember if it's his face-off character or which one um but they're they're definitely going for a specific, like, time period of Nick Cage with that younger self, um but very very entertaining just in general those scenes um, oh I, I do like the other bit where he like you know it, it's the first time they introduced that aspect of the plot and nick cage like tells him to get out of the car <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was pretty funny. just pulls over the side of the road and people are honking <laughs> behind him uh yeah that those scenes were great they didn't overdo it if anything mm-hmm. they underdid it and that's it's better to err on that side yeah um one of the things that people seem to really like to talk about this movie is the whole like paddington 2 scene yeah that was funny i a movie i have not seen but i was very aware that people really liked it Mm -hmm. so uh, that joke was very funny yeah because up until relatively recently it was like 100% on Rotten Tomatoes like people are joking that it was better than Citizen Kane because of that and stuff like um, but I it made me go watch Paddington I still haven't seen the second one I wanted to watch the first one first um, but I did watch Paddington the night we went and saw this movie um, and yeah and <laughs> it doesn't surprise me that it I, I wouldn't be surprised if Pedro Pascal actually has Paddington 2 on his favorite movies of all time. Seems like something he would genuinely enjoy. I like how they built up to that joke, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they, they're talking about all these, you know, classic, you know, great films. They're talking about The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which is old German, considered one of the first horror mainstream horror movies, I think. 
Um, and so they're talking about all these old movies, classic, great films that a lot of, you know, the general audience may not have seen. And then they go with Paddington too. Very good. Nice. Any other moments, Holden, that you want to talk about before we go into our last segment? I don't think so. Just, I feel like there's there's some good jokes I'm missing, <laughs> but I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, we didn't we didn't mention the mom and daughter at all. No, I I don't. <laughs> they were fine. It was serviceable. Yeah. It was whatever. I I did like the um very end of like the the climax where it transitions to the like actual movie. First of all, I thought it was done really well just from like an editing standpoint because I like wasn't expecting it. Um, and when she throws the knife or whatever, or whatever it yeah. was. And... <laughs> um, and then it just suddenly the wife is being played by Demi Moore. Yeah, um, it's funny, but yeah. Yeah, I think Sweet. aside from that, I'm, I'm good. All right, Holden, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? All right. So as I mentioned, I already mentioned like two of the movies that I watched this week. I watched Adaptation, um, the... So the writer of that is Charlie Kaufman, who did I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which we infamously did not like. Um, but, but we this think mo- it's fine. Or, yeah, we think we think it's fine, but we just didn't really enjoy watching it. Um, the, I think this movie is way better than it. Like, not only from just an entertainment standpoint, I think just from a general movie standpoint, I think adaptation is way better. Hmm. Um maybe part of that is it's being directed by someone else. It's being directed by Spike Jones who did, uh, her with Joaquin Phoenix and also, um, being John Malkovich and some other movies. He's also heavily involved in the Jackass franchise. Interesting characters, Spike Jones, but, <laughs> um, yeah, adaptation. It was very funny. That's another movie where Nick Cage is playing two roles. He's playing the writer, Charlie Kaufman, like trying to write this movie. Like it's, it's a very meta weird movie great performances it is a partial comedy so there's a lot of very funny elements to it um but i i really liked that one and that's on hbo max i believe for anyone interested um i watched then yeah i watched paddington very very cute i'm really excited for the second one because it's apparently even better but i can see why people are in love with this this seems like a movie that I would be very excited to show my kid. Like I, this would be like any child, this could be any child's like favorite, just childhood movie. And they'd have a lot of nostalgia for it. It is just adorable, very sweet, well acted and everything. Uh, I, Nicole Kidman was the villain, which I was not expecting. That was a surprise, but um, yeah, very enjoyable little, it's a very British movie. <laughs> a lot of British culture things that are i did not understand um (laughs) (laughs) but um and then the i think the only other movie i watched was was it face off this week that i watched yeah face off 
Um, or the other Nick Cage movie I watched with John Travolta and, and Nick Cage. Very, very funny. That is, I I had mentioned last week, I think Con Air was like peak, like 90s Nick Cage just action. I think I might want to retract that statement and say face off because this, the movies, the action sequences are insane. John Travolta and Nick Cage are both really good because they're like playing each other. And it's really like, honestly, John Travolta might have even been the standout. Because I him acting as Nick Cage is is crazy. <laughs> it was really funny. Um, anyone who's out there, you can probably find compilations online if you're not actually interested in watching the movie. But it is it it is really good. Um, but there's some good memes from that movie too. There were some like sequences. I was like, oh, I've seen this in like old memes and stuff. So. Um, yeah uh then i'm watching breaking bad i'm almost done i think i've got like six or seven episodes left so i'm in i'm in the heat of the last season um you get about it or not getting your uh, ticket for the better call Saul train yeah i am <laughs> there we go toot toot about to get on i'll probably watch el camino first but um i mean that's just a movie so it doesn't really matter um yeah and then in terms of video games, I, I, even though I bought Skywalker Saga, I got so invested in Bioshock Infinite that I finished it. I'm playing the DLC right now, and that game is just so good. But I am going to go back to Skywalker Saga once I'm done with all this. So, Very nice. Yeah. yeah, I think that's it for me, Jimmy. What about you? What have you been doing? I had a really busy week. So really the only thing I did that was not for school that I watched because I watched uh, my sad Pompeii movie where everybody dies <laughs> and the uh, BBC Julius Caesar thing which I really like and it, it's making me want to watch uh, the HBO Rome series with Siren Hines mm-hmm. uh, which I forget he was Julius Caesar and apparently he's very good so okay. I might check that out um, after yeah, he's a good actor Better like Call everything. Saul and Breaking Bad and all that um I did watch the newest episode of Better Call Saul, which is season six, episode three. Best one of the new season so far. Um, it's very good, and it kind of sets the tone for the rest of the season, I would say. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I don't really want to say anything else about it, but I thought it was very well done. And I'm looking forward to the new episode coming out on Monday this week, which is tomorrow as of recording. So that's basically all I've got. I did not have, uh, I don't think I played anything. I don't think I played FIFA or Skywalker Saga this week just because I had a lot going on. But uh, I want to get back to those things. Finish well, them you got, up. You got FIFA 22 you can play this week, Jimmy. I know, but the, I was telling Holden, <laughs> I'm like, every FIFA is a little different. I don't buy FIFA every year because I just don't want it's not worth it for me especially since I do not play online I just like playing the the kind of the career mode and every FIFA is just a little different so it's there's a little bit of a learning curve to like kind of reset how how it controls and the physics of it and I'm like I just finally got the hang of FIFA 21 I think I had and now FIFA 22 is the free game of the month. So it's like, I'm, well, I'm going to get the new one if it's out there. But I'm just like, ugh, I don't know. But uh, And also you like build up your franchise and you get invested in the characters that are not the characters, but the players that you have. And it's like, well, I don't really want to reset all of a sudden. So maybe I won't start playing it, Holden. Maybe I'll <laughs> subvert everybody's expectations. That'd be a surprise. Yeah, we'll see. Blake's um, guest starring. 
I like this guest starring but the mic definitely has so all right uh nice uh that's all i got holden what do we have next week any any small little indie movies coming out next week yeah there's a little uh indie darling i think it was shown at sundance um but it is called uh dr strange in the multiverse of madness um we are going to we're not going to like the actual the, the first showing here but we're gonna go to thursday night showing very excited we got our tickets we waited long finally. enough to get them <laughs> we finally have them um but i'm really excited for it i'm i'm so excited to see sam raimi do something with the mcu and the fact that it's like seems to be a confident like two hours long i'm really just interested to see how this goes is it just two hours yeah i think it's just like two hours like maybe even less than two hours ten minutes hmm interesting we shall see holden Mm -hmm. but that's you know those marvel movies it's the full two hours ten because you're staying through those credits yeah that's true um, it's true yeah um yeah we'll look forward to that otherwise adios but no not there yet right because we (laughs) i'm jumping the gun yeah uh jumping the gun false start um, five yard penalty all right if you want to uh if you want to leave us a request you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on itunes or by emailing us at top podcast at gmail.com jesus uh or by donating to our patreon jesus let's hope uh let's hope dr strange goes a little smoother than this podcast this week huh jimmy yeah uh well hopefully the at least the the last third of the podcast was coherent because we didn't have any technical issues after that last time. Yeah. So we'll see. All right. Am I good to go now? I think we're good to go. Yeah. All right. Well, I cannot wait to edit this. Uh, <laughs> all right. Adios, pantalones. Love you. <laughs> That one movie podcast. Tomp. <laughs>